Hello everybody and welcome to Prumbagoon. You will not get there on a road bike and today is gonna be absolutely like this because the interview that I have today it's just wow. Uh, let's start from here, sorry. It's just wow. Seems like a perfect recognition of what we are gonna talk today. But first of all I have to say thank you to Komoot. Komoot who is always the companion, the best companion for planning new routes to go outside, to explore by hiking, walking, sky touring, whatever you need. Remember, Komoot is free to use for online and planning, but if you want to have the extra feature like turn-by-turn -turn navigation and offline navigation, well, well, you will need to get some extra regions or the whole world. But no worries, Broomwagon got your back. Just go to komoot.com slash G, like Greenland, and write the code BROOM. In this way, you can get one extra region and you can start exploring at least wherever you want to explore in the near future. Then you can get all the purchases that you want, like the premium account. And I'm gonna just whisper that. No, I'm gonna say it normally. And if you want to know a bit more on what you can get with the premium account, especially one feature that is really interesting for me, wait till the end of the episode, I'm gonna give you one of my extra tips on Komoot. Today is gonna be really exploring Europe day. But first of all, first of that, you remember the sound? Remember that all the time that I'm pronouncing the C word, the coronavirus word, let's say it again in a proper way, uh, or whatever related to that, I'm gonna drop one coin, something that I'm gonna do right now. Let me take out my coins because I just mentioned it. Perfect. I'm gonna actually mention, I'm gonna put a coin in my COVID Broomwagon jar. All the amount of the money that is gonna go into this jar are gonna go to Sea-Watch association, charity, who is taking care about refugees that are moving from Northern or whatever, from Africa to Europe through the Central Mediterranean way. Because there are some of the few that are taking care about this super weird situation, super bad situation. And I truly believe that every steps and every coin that we can get for them is gonna be for a super great job like they're doing. We were talking about today, riding around Europe. Uh, Erwin, my friend Erwin, that we actually crisscrossing our routes around between Instagram and then all the different gravel events around the world, told me, man, you need to talk with Andy, aka Double Track Fanatic, aka the European Divide Trail person. So the guy who is actually tracking all something like a route that goes from across Europe. I sent an email. No, it was a message to Andy. We got in touch and we got this amazing interview. Bunch, bunch of big inspiration. Listen to that. Let me know what you think. Every time I'm completely astonished and happy and my heart is full of joy because I realize how the bike packing, let's say, family, it's super big and super welcoming. Why I'm saying that? Because today I'm interviewing Andy Cox, aka Mr. European Divide Trail. I got the contact from Irvin, that is a friend of mine living in uh, Netherlands. We met in uh, Czech Republic 
And then while talking with Andy in the pre-interview, we got to understand that actually we have other friends in common and actually he knows really good also Ernesto, that is Mr. Montañas Vasias. This really uh, opens my heart completely, but apart from talking myself, maybe start saying hi to Andy. Hi Andy, how are you doing? Hi, hi, how's it going? I'm really, really good, and uh, I'm super, super happy of talking to you today. Uh, I can tell you, everybody out there, that we just started this conversation 40, 45 minutes ago, and we have been spending a lot of time chitty-chatting and putting stuff together. It's so cool, actually, <laughs> to talk with somebody <laughs> that we are really sharing the same feelings and the same spirit of cycling. But, yeah, super, super happy to have you here. By the way, where are you at the moment, Andy? Um, so I'm in uh, I'm in Estremadura in Spain, kind of uh, halfway between Madrid and Lisbon. I would say roughly halfway, um, with big mountains really close by and lots like um, parchland and uh, rivers and lakes and things around here. So yeah, it's nice. It's been uh, it's been a good winter here. It doesn't get too cold, uh, and it's quite windy and raining sometimes but also the sun is out so i'm happy that i can't complain <laughs> that's super great actually you were telling me at the beginning that you were chopping a tree right a tree right that's what you were doing while we we start talking yeah so uh the place i'm staying in hasn't had anyone living in it for about five years and so i there's loads of overgrown things here so um and there's a tree that they didn't plant but it's grown huge i mean like uh 20, 20 meters, something like that, high, and it kind of blocks, wow. yeah, and it blocks the view of the mountain. So I've been um, chopping it down. Uh, the woman whose house it is, we were talking about what I could do here when I've got lots of time for the winter, and and I said, well, what about this tree? It's in the way. And she said, yeah, if you can chop it down, great. So I've, I've been chopping it down. Uh, I've got one big last branch to do. So I've got a three quarters of the way through it and I'm waiting for the wind to break it and do the rest. <laughs> That's yeah. super awesome. Maybe this is a cool story. We can start from here. So tell him, tell me, so because you are originally from UK, but you have been actually riding around for a bit of time, but you actually arrived in Extremadura. You told me that this is the second winter that you are spending there. How did it happen? Tell us more about the story. You told me already the story, but I think that everybody needs to know still the welcoming spirit of this cycling community where we are in. So I was in, I was riding my European Divide Trail, like the first kind of full route of it. As I, and I rode through, I got into Eastern Spain and I went to see uh, went to Teruel, where the Ernesto um, has made this route, the Montaigne Bacia. And I was there for, like, there's an autumn meeting they have. So there was 50-odd bikepackers there from around Spain and other places. And I was talking to Ernesto. Actually, he, he invited me to stay with him. So I spent a week there and around there and, you know, looked after their cats when they went for a little holiday. And, and then I got an email because I'd been writing a blog. Yeah. Every year, every or every other day, and in the blog, I was saying I didn't know where I was going to go for winter. And Ernesto shared my story on his Instagram account, and one of his friends got in contact to say, "I have an empty house. Do you want to stay in it for the winter?" And it was completely out of the blue, and I was completely blown away. And I said, "Yeah, great, you know." So I rode part, not quite past the house, but 
within 200 kilometers of the house on my way to Portugal to finish the trail. And then when I finished the trail off, I rode 800 kilometers or 600 kilometers back to here. And now I spent last winter here and I'm spending this winter here. And I intend to spend at least next winter here as well because, like, it's beautiful and it's empty and the riding from the door isn't that good, which is actually, for me, is a really good thing because I do 20,000 kilometers a year and so actually it's really nice to have somewhere inside that I can sleep and I can, you know, have a kitchen and a shower and all the things that I kind of miss. So, yeah. yeah, I'm very happy here. <laughs> that's super super great and then I was saying that's a complete example again on how cool is yeah the cycling community where we all belong I would say but let's get a couple of steps back Andy tell us a bit more about you who you are how let's start from here who you are and how you got into bikes and then we are going to understand why you got into this amazing project of tracking a route that goes really that divides in the half more or less Europe. But let's start from you. Who are you, Andy? So I'm uh, originally from Oxford in England, yeah. and I spent um, about 30 years there and got like got into bikes and the riding is okay there. It's not very exciting, and I worked in bike shops for years and then a friend of mine at the time was he was working summers as a mountain bike guide in the French Alps mm-hmm. and he he just invited me along and said why not come for the summer and uh so anyway I went and the guy who ran the company didn't even know I was coming like my friend didn't even tell them I just turned up uh, but we're then in you know which was a bit crazy but then within the first week, I've fixed all of the guide's bikes at least once. Because I'm, I'm not a great mechanic, but I have lots of spares and I can kind of bodge things together. So, mm-hmm. uh, And so anyway, I did a season there and then came back to Oxford and thought, wow, this is terrible. Right? The, the place is beautiful, but the riding's awful compared to riding in the outdoor all the time. And then two years after that, I then did another season there and decided I've got to go back and make a change. So I then moved to South Wales, and I after I got back from there, I lived in South Wales for some years, managed a house there, worked in bike shops, got bored of working in bike shops because it's like retail is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I love bikes, selling them is not my kind of thing, you know. So I can see the point. Yeah. And then I was going to sell my house and buy a van and drive around Europe trying to find somewhere to live. This was um, five years ago now. Okay. And I, and I said to my neighbors, I'll buy, I'm going to sell my house. And they said, well, we know someone who might want to rent it. So I said, oh, okay, well, let's try that. And so I rented it to this guy who's now living in it for, he's been li- living there now for four years. Mm-hmm. And he's basically paying me rent every month. That then pays for me to ride my bike around so i instead of driving around which was my plan originally i've been riding around europe trying to find somewhere to live and eventually that turned into feeling like i needed a reason to just keep riding around because i wasn't like nowhere was really obviously somewhere i wanted to live and so i came up with this crazy idea to make a trail across Europe. so 
and then things have kind of evolved from there, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's become quite a lifestyle choice, really, I suppose. So, yeah, I'm happy with what I've done. So you basically are telling me that you start and probably you are still tracking the the trail across Europe just because you are still looking for a place where to go and live. And actually you decided the place where to go and live was wherever but with your bike. <laughs> exactly. I, so my, my line about finding a new place to live was I've got a big list of places I don't want to live now. Okay. Uh, and, and I think that's a good start, yeah? Yes. So... There, there was lots of places I thought, ah, oh, you know, I go and live in Malaga or Barcelona or, you know, or Nice or somewhere, yeah? And I went there and they were nice places, but I decided I didn't want to live there. Okay. So, so that's like the, it's, I've been kind of dispelling the myths and the dreams in my mind of places that, you know, you see online or you see where the professionals go and spend the winters or whatever. And you think, oh, this place has got to be amazing. And then you go spend some time and you think, yeah, actually, there's better places, you know. Maybe I'll try and find somewhere else. So, so yeah, I kind of live on my bike, you know. That's, you know, I live in my tent and on my bike and, you know, and just riding around Europe, you know. So, yeah, that's my... So your basic setup is actually a full packed bike and you usually sleep in your tent right so you have a sleeping si i don't like the name sleeping system you have actually a sleeping kit let's put it in this way a sleeping bag or whatever your tent and that's what you do usually in the drier a bit more milder season you just go around and then you camp whenever you think okay it's cool to be here yeah exactly i um i kind of um yeah so i have like a full i have what i call bike packing plus which is okay. basically like it, it's not touring, but it's not like this lightweight two weeks, you know, a couple of small bags and then just go and do long days, you know, because I have to have, I'm doing at least six months without stopping. So I have to have quite a lot of stuff and I need more clothes than people might need for two weeks. And I need more, well, I need more things to do other than sleep in a tent or ride my bike. So i need to have other things with me as well to kind of entertain me when I have time off. And, and I, yeah, and I try to find somewhere uh, maybe... I, I would like to think every few months to stop, but it often doesn't happen like that. Usually I'm just on the road until I'm completely worn out. And then after six, seven, eight months, I, I get to somewhere and think, right, that's it, winter time to stop time to do something else of course you actually feel let's say you listen to your feelings and you listen to your body whenever your body says okay it's too winter now it's getting more a problematic situation than a joy riding the bike then you stop exactly it needs to i uh i have a line that i want to enjoy something rather than endure it you know so i i don't want it to be turn into kind of some death march across some continent just because I decided I wanted to do it, you know? Yes. It, it, you know, I'm not, I don't have to go anywhere. I could just stop for, for weeks in one place if I really wanted to. Uh, so I tried spending, I spent my first winter in Nice and I was in a caravan or and it was just too cold because I was in the mountains. So, um, and the weather's quite bad there. It can be stormy and horrible and cold. So that wasn't great. Um, then the second winter I went, I decided I wanted to go to Mexico and Southern California. So I went and rode the bus. Wow. 
Yeah. And that was good, but I got to the Baja Divide, which was the hardest trail I've ever ridden, more because it's just like rough and and cold and hot and um and I was worn out already. I'd already done uh fifteen thousand kilometers around that year. So then going and riding the hardest trail ever was just stupid. So Okay. Um yeah, and I didn't really enjoy it that much. And so I then decided I've just got to stop next winter. So that was then last winter. I then decided I've got to find somewhere just to stop, even if I've got a pace place or whatever. So, and that suits me so much better. Like, it, you know, constantly touring is so exhausting, um, physically, but also mentally. You know, you need to just be able to stop for a lot. That's what I've been trying to do more of this year, on last year. Yes, it makes a lot of sense. Taking a break, uh, nothing else. You can still stay in a place, but still you can maybe, if you want, do small tours or whatever, but at least it's going to be the mental fatigue of, okay, I need to ride from here to there, I need to stop here, I need to stop there. You are going to have something like a base where you can stop from time to time. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. and as now I'm trying to, make a, trying to make a living from making trails, you know, big, long-distance or short trails, Mm-hmm. then actually I need to be kind of good frame of mind and to be fully kind of recharged mentally and physically to be able to like really focus on those things uh, so I can actually make the good the, the trails good and I can actually make my sponsors happy and make myself happy doing them rather than just going around in some exhausted mess, you know, which is no good. So. Yes, yeah, so I'm 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 forty or almost forty three. Okay. And I know that I need to be more, and I need to be more sensible about how I uh, spend my off time and spend my on time, and be kind of aware that I am getting older and I and I haven't got the strength of my as I was when I was twenty anymore. Yeah, but on the other side, you're completely right, but I don't think it's a problem of age or strength or whatever, it's just also good that once you're taking a break on things, even the thing that you like the most in life, then you're going to appreciate it a bit more later, otherwise it becomes a stress and then you start hating what you're doing, and that's not the goal, right? Exactly, exactly. It's, it's, um, yeah, you're, you're trying to make the most of, of the, the times you spend doing things, and also then make the most of the times you spend actually relaxing you know absolutely uh, i have a lot of energy to put in i have a lot of energy to put in trails but also need to realize that that en- energy is kind of a finite resource and it needs to be recharged you know so that's what i'm kind of more focusing on now makes a lot a lot of sense tell us more about then the main trail that you are building since a bit of years ago uh the european divide trail so we know that everything started because, yes, you were, uh, yes, you were there in England, and then you decided that you want to find a place where to stay, and then you started riding around until you would have found it. But then this idea came to mind because probably you were inspired, as you were telling me, also from uh, uh, the tour divide, the, Amer- the North American tour divide track. But how? Let's say this was the inspiration. There was actually a need at a certain point, but how how did it come into your mind to start from the extreme northeast of Europe and arrive until the extreme southwest? So from Scandinavia, Finland, right, 
till uh, Portugal. Yeah, so no, the border was Norway and Russia. Norway, and okay. And on the Arctic is where it starts. And then, yeah, and then all the way to the most southwestern in Europe, in Portugal. So um, the idea was actually, it came as a, uh, as a, uh, how do I put this? It's not selfish, but it's like a self-centered reason. Okay. I decided I had to, I had to have a reason in my mind to ride from one side of Europe to the other because it would be the second time I've kind of done something similar, mm-hmm. and I needed I needed a focus every day because otherwise I could get a train or I could ride on the road or I could I could just get there quickly, and that kind of defied the point. So I wanted to make something that would I enjoyed riding, but also that. I could then share to help other people, ha- like it, to inspire other people and to give other people a focus for a huge tour across Europe if that was something they wanted to do. And I realized there was a, like, Europe's got a lot of trails, but they might, they're quite short in comparison to ones in, in America or South America or, you know, in, um, you know, they're kind of a week or two loop, maybe a bit more. But there's nothing that crosses the continent. So, uh, and I was I was not I was in I was in Nor- uh, no sorry I was in Finland and I was just looking for kind of an excuse in a way to ride across Europe. And I realised I was about a week's journey from the most northeasterly, and the most southwesterly was somewhere I wanted to go anyway. So I just thought, well, why not just start? You know, I've got. I already had two and a bit years of kind of experience of riding in various places before that, and I could link up bits of trails to uh, that I'd already done, and also I could make something that wasn't too hard, and the difficulty would come from the fact that you're riding across a continent on dirt roads rather than some crazy hiker bike and. So the, I was trying to make something that you could ride, that most people could ride if they were adventurous. Yeah. Um, instead of something that was just like, it felt like a lot of the trails I'd ridden were for people who were really hardcore and had super light kit. And that wasn't me, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't want to put it in this way. Let's put it in the other way. So your inspiration is not track the fastest route from extreme northeast to extreme southwest and not even to get the hardest one but as you were saying is the the one that is feasible for everybody and then you will find actually the hard part on making it all and not to get super steep climbs or going super fast in the highways for this reason they this trail needs to have some characteristic First of all, it needs to be dirt road and then to go around high mountains more than climbing them, if there is the possibility. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so um, if, um, so the dirt roads, so for me, like it, uh, what I, I realize I'm poor, and I don't, if you look at a map of, of the cycle routes in Europe, there's like thousands of kilometers of cycle routes, but they're mostly even if they're traffic-free, mm-hmm. they're still paved and they go through all the big cities and they go down big river valleys and 
it's not something that I really like to do, but I do like to talk, you know. It's uh, it's something that is, for me, it kind of sparks my imagination to just be able to sit and pedal all day to see new things, you know. And if you make it too difficult, then I think it's kind of almost negative for the for the people who are going to try it because they might try two weeks and say that's too hard and they might give up and never want to do it again. So, uh, And also, if you put in lots of big mountains, as beautiful as the mountains are and as inspiring as they are, you're really limited in terms of your physical ability to cross the mountain and also the times of year that you can go through the mountain. So it, it felt like the routes I'd ridden before, there was a lot of kind of in a, what I would call pointless climbing. Okay. Where you, where you basically just, because there's a hill there, you go up it and over it and then down the other side. And if there's a way around it that's on a dirt road, then the kind of, that seemed like a more sensible way if you're just go, if you're going for the long term. Because uh, I didn't want a route where after every month you needed two weeks off because you were so exhausted, you know? Mm-hmm. I wanted something that you could tour non-stop almost and ride the whole thing in one go. And it would be tiring, but it wouldn't be too physically or mentally exhausting. So, um, and, and as I say, like the, the reason to not go around, not go through the big mountains is just to make it so that you're not limited to really like the high summer to go to do the certain bits of the route. You're actually able to ride most of it in the autumn or most of it in the spring if you really want to. Uh, it was kind of trying to make it inclusive in, in, in as many aspects as I could and not exclusive, you know. So, yes. I mean, obviously, it, it's relatively exclusive to have four months to be able to ride across Europe, yeah? But if you make it hard, then that you're in excluding even more people from that, which is already quite exclusive, you know. So it's just trying to make it like a, a, as friendly as I could, but still a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes a lot, a lot of sense. But yeah, talking about a bit your, uh, I would put it in this way, love for dirty roads, we can actually also mention for a tiny second the name that you have on Instagram, that is Double Track Fanatic. You're also enjoying being in a remote place in a double track where actually it's not a single track, it's not super technical and whatever, so still rideable, but also on the other side being in a dirt road, maybe in a forest or somewhere you're in, where you are not going to see, let's say, traffic at least or cars or stuff. Just a place where you can really fulfill yourself with nature, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. It's um, um, So the experience of... Cycling for me is a lot about like how my senses are kind of incorporated into the experience. You know, the the smells and the the sounds and the and the kind of tactile feeling of the ground underneath your tires. And if you're on the road, then I find my experience is kind of ruined by traffic. You know, I I, I love tarmac. It's amazing stuff. You know, it's smooth and it's fast and and, you know, you can ride it on a road bike, but when you add traffic to that, and it doesn't even matter if it's hardly any traffic, it's still the possibility of a car around the corner or someone overtaking you or whatever that you didn't hear, you know. Um, so for me, the dirt road is, is just my, it really inc- 
increases my joy of riding, really makes me uh, kind of really live in the moment of, of pedaling. And I can then enjoy nature and I can enjoy the crunch of gravel and I can enjoy, you know, going through a forest or through farmland or, you know, across a mountain. And I don't have to think, is there a car coming up behind me or is there some lunatic on a motorbike around the next corner who might squash me or, um, or just the noise, you know, the noise of traffic going past or traffic in the distance. It kind of, it doesn't ruin my experience, but it certainly detracts from my experience of enjoying nature and enjoying cycling. So, so yeah, the dirt roads is, is the double track is, is where I'm most at home. And, you don't need a specialist bike really to ride them. So you can ride them on a, I mean, you could ride them on a road bike. You could ride them on a full suspension bike. You could ride them on, on your on stopping bike, you know. Uh, and sure, better, some bikes are better than others, but you can ride it on both bikes. And that's where I have the most fun. It's just, you know, it's enjoying riding dirt roads, you know, quiet. No, yeah, it's made, it makes a lot of sense. And actually maybe, uh, that, tell me if I'm wrong on that. I was actually checking a bit and having a look to your account. So, I mean, your personal Instagram account and then uh, the European Divide Trail account. Also, your setup in order to really to show that these are usually the rides, sorry, the, the roads, the trails that we are tracking can be really feasible for any, for at least a huge spectrum of bikes is that actually you changed a bit your setup, right? You started with basically a hardtail mountain bike and then now you have a drop bar bike. Uh, yes, I mean, um, so I actually, I started on a, on a plus tired bike with drop bars and kind of, I had pannier racks, but then I had dry bags strapped to the pannier rack. Okay. And that was okay, but I found you could carry too much stuff. So okay. that the bike was too heavy. Yeah, and so that's why I've slowly evolved to a more bikepacking setup. And um, I enjoy the, the bag strapped tightly to the bike more because it's more fun for riding off-road. There's less noise, there's less swaying, there's less bouncing. Uh, and then you have less room, which means you can carry less stuff, which means the bike is more fun to ride. So you have to plan a bit more, but it's better. And then recently I rode, I tried to ride my trail, the European Divide Trail, for, across Europe as fast as I could. Uh -huh. And so my, my sponsor, Bomb Track Bicycles in, in Germany, they gave me a... They're basically their carbon race bike, their gravel carbon race bike to ride, the Hook EXTC. Okay. And, and so I had like a, half the gear that I had before on my kind of plus tire bike. Um, and, or not half, but a lot less. And it was, it was okay, but uh, uh, I mean, the bike's great, but it was more that I had too much stuff and I wasn't very fast. So uh, I thought, in my mind, I thought I could do 150 kilometers a day and actually just doing 100 every day for, uh, in the end, I did 50 days of 100 kilometers a day. And that was, it's so exhausting that, yeah, I don't think I'm going to try anything like that again. <laughs> uh, or maybe I will with less stuff, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 it makes a lot of sense. So you are telling me that, so you have done again your trail then with a light bike then but so 
uh, you have been tracking it for a bit of time now, and then you're telling me that you have done again as well with another bike. How many times did you ride the whole length of it? So I've only, I've, I think I've ridden 99% of it now. I've not actually ridden ah, every okay. single climb. Okay. Yeah, I think there's about 60 kilometers or 70 kilometers in Portugal that I haven't ridden. Okay. And, um, but I've ridden some, some of it three times now. So there's some bits in Scandinavia and some bits in Germany and some bits in France and even in Spain that I've managed to ride three times. Wow. Uh, and yeah, but the... Um, so when I was trying to ride it this year or last year, um, as fast as I could, I got to the Spanish border and the day, the, the day after I got to Spain... France was locked down completely. You couldn't go 50 kilometers from your house or 100 kilometers or something. And then I could see that Spain was getting more and more locked down. That was in beginning of November last year, 2020. So I just decided I've got to stop now because as much as I probably could have ridden to Portugal, I would be constantly worrying that I was breaking like the laws or the, the, the local you know, regional laws of not crossing regional boundaries and whatever, which was in Spain at that time. Yeah. And it's still the same now, you know. And actually, I would have to cross an international border into Portugal and then back again. Yeah. And no one's really going to stop you on a bike. Like, it's, you know, if you've got somewhere to be, then they're not going to stop you. They're not really worried about, like, a, a lone cycle tourist. But actually, it felt wrong to be doing it, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had to stop early. So I've uh, there's bits that I haven't ridden in Spain that I've changed the route around, and they I haven't ridden them yet. So I don't know. I mean, like um, it kind of messed up my plans. But then I realised that I rode. I think looking at Strava, I rode almost eighteen thousand kilometres around Europe last year. So you know, there's plenty of people who never even left their own town last year because of lockdowns and things. You know, so. Yeah, I'm quite happy with what I managed to do in, in, in the lockdown. No, that's super, super good. But so, uh, if I can ask you this question, so from where did you take the first track? Because anyways, you set up, you put everything on the map, and then you start riding it. But the first track, something like the first line that you track from north to west, from north to south, where did it come from? Um, what the idea of the of the track? Or? No, the, the, yes, the track itself. Something like where did you find actually what to link one between each other and stuff? So there's a there's a, uh, a website and uh, some routes called the Trans Euro Trail. Okay. And so it's uh, it's for off road motorbike touring, and and I found it before I left four years ago. Mm -hmm. Before I left the UK, because I was looking for long distance off road trails around Europe, and there weren't really any. And then I found this website that had, I think it's 38,000 kilometers of, of, of GPS trails around uh -huh. Europe. So okay. Yeah, every European country. And I thought, well, if you can ride it, if you can, if you can ride it on a touring motorbike, like off-road touring, but still, you know, a bike that's going to weigh 200, 250 kilograms, yeah, mm -hmm. you, can, you can ride this on a, on a, on a bikepacking bike with some luggage, you know? Um, so I started riding some of those routes around, um, central Europe and then around Northern Europe. And I had really enjoyed the bits through, through, um, Sweden. Yeah. And so I, and 
And because I was in Finland and I'd ridden some of the route there, and I decided, okay, I've got, uh, I've already got about 1,800 kilometers of route that I can put together, like, because it's not perfect, their route, because they can, you know, on a motorbike, you can do 90 kilometers in an hour, yeah, on, a, on, a, on a hard road, yeah, um, you, know, you know, just on a highway. And so that's not good for a, for a bike, because you maybe can't ride the highway, or maybe it's just horrible to ride. So I had to adjust their route, but it still that was the kind of basis of least four across um, across Sweden, and so I've ridden bits of that and most of that now twice or three times. Yeah, and it's really good. I mean, it's mostly just dirt roads and some quiet lanes and some little bits of single track, but very short, just linking things together. Um, and then I had I, I'd ridden a route called uh, in Denmark called the King's Route. Yeah. which is like a hiking track. And that's really fun. So I knew that I wanted to link that, and that linked to kind of the Friedrichshavn, which was, had a ferry to Gothenburg. And then I decided I wanted to go through Cologne, Hamburg and Cologne. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was really, it was about drawing a straight line across the map, going from this place to this place to this place and then linking together all the trails that I could find that went in roughly the right direction. And and seeing if they work, they didn't then find something else. So uh, that was quite, I mean, it's a long process to do this, but also some of it just works and some of it doesn't. So you have to be prepared to, Wide the bit that you planned, and if it's rubbish or if it's private land or if it just doesn't work, then you have to go back and you need to ride something again. Of um, course. Yeah, and so that means it takes a lot of time to even ride and plan a thousand kilometers. You know, can be a huge amount of time, even if it's in straight lines on dirt roads. You might be turned around at the last bit and have to do a load of it again. So, uh, I mean, you, you've got to have a lot of patience to make something like this, I think. I can completely feel the point, actually, because, yeah, as you were saying, you have something, you have a basic, but then you need to actually try to understand really if it's feasible for your bike and feasible in general, because you need to link also stuff that you don't know. They're a bit in incognito situation. But, yeah, it makes a lot, a lot of sense. But another thing that I want to ask you then... I know that is not easy, by the way. I will start in this way. But if you would have to choose two or three spots that you think, okay, these places are really worth it to go, your kind of highlights, what would you choose? Um, so highlights, I've got to say, uh, there's an area of central, kind of central western Sweden, which is just amazing. It's okay. um, the biggest town is vague. Um, Sveg to Charlottenburg on the route, which is, I don't even know how far it is, but you're basically as far west in Sweden as you can get before you get to the Norwegian border. Okay. And it's kind of cold and there's big mountains and there's signs of bears and um, wolverines and lynx on the ground. And it's, it, I mean, it, it's stunning. There's uh, uh, open wilderness cabins you can stay in and, um, lakes and rivers and forests and emptiness you know um yeah that's a really that's a place that kind of has captured my heart okay Uh, then i really enjoy the 
the Vosges Mountains in eastern France with the border of Germany yeah. and the Rhine. There's something really special about the Vosges Mountains and then into the Jura. So I would link them both together. And the Jura, which is then Switzerland, France, yeah. eastern France. And that is amazing. So between the Vosges and the Jura, you have just the most, they're kind of, they're foothills of the Alps. And so they're not super big, but they're big enough to be good view, have good view and be great riding and to be, and they're well looked after. And there's not too many tourists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of really good trails and nice places. Um, and then going further south, my one of my favorite areas is uh, eastern Spain, inland from Valencia, kind of between Valencia and Madrid, where where Ernesto's trail, the Montaña Vacia route is. So down there and then just south of there, the Sierra de Segura and Cazola is, I mean, the, that's a really, again, a really wild, empty places, you know. I love the kind of places that are off the tourist route that aren't really on anyone's radar but the locals who live near them. Um, but they're also just beautiful, empty, wild places. Um, yeah. And, you know, if I can find more of those, then I'm adding as many as I can to the, to the route when I continue it this year. So, yeah, That's... what I love. That's super awesome. And actually, you mentioned a couple of places that are really my bucket list, probably the three of them. So because, yeah, I was in French Jura, not with a bike, but uh, just with family traveling also because it's still is in France, but at the border with Switzerland. So it's easy to go for me. And I brought my bicycle there. So I didn't arrive there with a the bike, but I rode with a the bike there. And it's just an amazing place. Really, the French Jura, it's super cool. Uh, of course, Sweden is something that I would love to do as sooner better than later, I would say, because Sweden should be super cool of riding the bicycle, something like really emptiness and remoteness in amazing landscapes. And of course, Montañas Vasias, it's, Ernesto knows it, it's something that I really would love to ride as soon as I can. And this could be probably something that I can do easily from here because I can catch something like to arrive there. I don't know, a train or whatever without flying and then riding there. It's just uh, putting completely yourself into emptiness and remoteness and really calming your soul and uh, enjoying the nature. And it's super amazing. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. It's where I'm, I'm happiest, you know? So, mm. um, it's where the, 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 the noise and the mess of the world seems to just disappear. You know, you're not... Take, it's not, it doesn't control your mind so much anymore. So you, you can just feel at one at piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just another thing that I want to tell you, just um, once that actually everything is going to be together, everything is there, whatever. How would you actually um, recommend people to, let's put it in this way, use your trucks and use actually the track of the European Divide Trails? Is just go there and do every chunk that you want to do or just go in some places and discover around or just be sure to make it all in one go? What would you say? I mean, if you have the time, then then definitely to ride the whole thing would be amazing. The 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 difference between the north and the south and the center is is incredible. So it's really worth seeing. But also the point of making the route was to try and link together places that there are already trails in or there's kind of easy to get to uh, 
uh, or from um, kind of population centers, you know, transport hubs and things. So, I mean, you can split the route into lots of small bits and just do a bit um, that suits you, that's local to you, or you can link it together with one of the established bikepacking routes that you could then make it into a loop. Um, you know, so, uh, I mean, uh, uh, maybe the best thing to do is look at the photos on my website or the, the upcoming website or the, or the Instagram account and see what really fires your imagination and see how you could do some part of it. So that would be my, my recommendation. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely all if you can, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go into that. You were mentioning uh, mentioning it briefly. So uh, the website that is gonna come, or whatever. What's next? What is gonna see next? The European Divide Trail, and how? On what are you working on, and how is gonna happen? So my my plans for this year, if everything works out, is to go from Istanbul to northwestern Scotland, and the European Divide Trail is then gonna cross. So if you think the, it goes from northeast to southwest, now it, I want to take it from southeast to northwest. Okay. So there would be a big of routes across Europe. And there isn't really routes that I've seen that go from kind of the edge of Asia to the edge of the North Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of routes in, in the UK now, so I will use some of the established routes there. But also I know some of those bits, some of those can be quite hard. So I'm trying to do the kind of um, dirt road touring style of the, 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 the first route I've done. But also I want to take the, place, take the route through some, um, some places that, that, that people don't often go to. So, so I plan to go through the Carpathian, do a big loop through the Carpathian Mountains in Romania. Yeah. And then southern Poland and northern Czech Republic and then through Germany, kind of central Germany and then into the Netherlands and, and uh, then from the Hook of Holland go to Harwich in the UK and then across, across um, through Wales, through Wales and then up to Scotland. So, uh, I mean, it's going to end up being another, like the, the original route from northeast to southwest is 7,500 kilometers. Okay. Um, and then the next, this next bit will probably add an, at least another 6,000, if not more, to it. Wow. So, yeah. So hopefully it's going to be like, um, I mean, and I have a, I have a, actually, I have a route that crosses the Alps, which is a bit over 1,000 kilometers. So probably by the end of the year, there'll be 15,000 kilometers of bikepacking routes across Europe that I hopefully will have added. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. And uh, yeah, and where are we going to actually, where can we see then at that point, all the, yeah, the track, the trail that you're putting together? You were talking about a website, you were talking about your collaboration with Komoot as well. Yeah, so there will be, um, we have the website europeandividetrail.com, and that's not ready for launch yet, but it's getting there. If you, if you go there, then you'll just see this page is, is not open yet. It's, uh, you need a login. Um, but that, that will have as much information as I get around to putting on there, which will be a fair amount, but it's still not going to be full of information. It's more about the trying to inspire people to want to ride it. Yeah. Um, and then there is going to be a, 
a specific commute page for the trail. So we have a, I'm just finishing up doing that. Um, and that will be, uh, have um, downloadable tracks and highlights and recommendations and photos and all of that. That will all be in one place. Um, and commute is, is free to use, at least to use it as a tracking app and, and to, to plan stuff online. Then it's all free. You don't need to pay anything. Um, and then there's also the uh, European Divide Trail Instagram account. So if you just search for that, then you'll see the hopefully inspirational photos and stuff about all on there. Um, and I don't know, there'll be, there's, um, I hope to have my own website up soon, which will be doubletrackfanatic.com. Okay. And that is going to, and that's going to have all of the articles I've written and loads of photos and all sorts on there. So if you want to read about the philosophy of the trail and the things that I'm interested in and what inspired me and has inspired me, then that should be there. But also with kit that I've used that worked and that what hasn't and various other things. I mean, that's a work in progress very much so. So it might only be a blog for a while, but uh, that's um, the kind of uh, where I'm going to put a lot of things. And then the last thing is I have a, I use a travel tracking app, which is called Polar Steps. Yeah. And that I'm going to keep using. So if you want to follow day-to-day where's Andy, what you're doing, then you'll see me complaining about the weather or the trails or the whatever uh, on there. I mean, it's not all complaining, but there is a, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a long-running blog, but it gives you an idea of what it's like to ride your bike for nine months a year around Europe and other places. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's the kind of the, the list of things I'm, I'm trying to do. I hopefully made, I've got plans to do a YouTube channel of just kind of clips of what it's like on the trails. But again, that needs work. So uh, whether I have the time or energy, once I've ridden my bike 100 kilometers every day, I'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually the cool thing that, so for example, I have here in front of me the Polar Step uh, page of yours. And... There you can really see all around, as I was saying, the every day that you're riding, whatever, your comments, sometimes you're complaining and everything, but also all the amazing photos uh, that you were mentioning before. And uh, yeah, I think that actually this is a good thing actually to track your day-to-day thing. And I can't really, really wait for seeing the Komoot page live so that actually we can catch up with the highlights, the inspiration, and then from there started planning everything that can be feasible for everybody of us on uh, riding in some places of Europe. And it's super cool, I think. And the other thing that I want to mention briefly is that you are not only riding your all day and something like opening and describing and tracking amazing trails all around Europe, but you are making amazing photos and it seems like you're spending a lot of time on doing it, isn't it? <laughs> yes, uh... Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's part of the kind of daily mindfulness I do, I suppose, mm-hmm. which is, is, is enjoying the moments that I see, but also trying to capture them and share something that's more than just a nice photo. Um, I love to try and take nice photos, but I also try and capture a feeling or 
what a place kind of brings to me or, um, from the photos. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really love taking photos. And I, if the photos can inspire people, um, then just the photos have inspired me. So if, if that can really help, then I love to share those kind of things. So I use a, a Fujifilm uh, camera and I don't have really expensive equipment because often I, I don't often break it, but I'm, I'm using it every day and it gets battered. So I try and use the best that I can afford without going crazy. Yeah. And, this, you know, I'm not wanting to get it out when it's bad weather or whatever, you know. Um, uh, yeah, and I have a, um, I, I've, I've always enjoyed sharing the photos. So it's, um, uh, we, I mean, I have, I think I took um, more than 6,000 photos last year. Wow. And, yeah, and I mean, that was, that wasn't even really a full year of travel because I was stopped for 10 weeks on, um, uh, with the lockdown in Spain. So, yeah, I mean, I have, I have too many photos for the website. So we might end up with like a, I don't know, some web, some photo hosting place that you can go and look at them all, you know, um, maybe not 6,000, but certainly 10. Yeah. That's really amazing because, as I was saying, you can really see a lot of yourself, your personality, what you're enjoying, your feelings through your photos. And, uh, yeah, as we were saying, it's super cool. It's just a matter of catching a moment more than just taking a picture. And that's you can feel it directly from your photos. Going into the end of our chat, we were talking about really riding around Europe from north to south, from northeast to southwest and the other way around and planning of riding around Europe and everything like this. But I would love to listen from you, like I'm listening from all the guests, thanks also to the partnership with Komoot. If you have, now you stay, actually you're going to spend your rest of the winter in Estemadura, you did the same last year, probably we can call it like your base, but if they're around, you have something like the one that we call, that I call the backyard ride. So something like a ride that you know that is around uh, home and uh, makes you feel a bit of a makes you actually fulfill your spirit can be whatever spirit in your case the adventure spirit and the calmness and quietness and also your love for double track do you have a backyard ride there yeah certainly i have a ride um that is about 60 60 70 kilometers from here and so um the there's some big mountains near here, but they're not really accessible on a bike because they're so steep. They just go straight up and there's no tracks apart from hiking trails. So I end up riding around, there's, there's the, um, this kind of farmland, the ranch land here. Um, and there's these things called the, I probably won't pronounce it properly, but Via Pecuaria, mm -hmm. which are the, the, the drover's trails, the, the cattle driving trails okay. that have, off their trans the transhumans trails yes so they are yeah so they're the, the routes that people used to take their 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 produce or their animals to markets on and there are this place is just covered in them so there's some amazing kind of dusty dry um trails through these oak woodlands and then you have these views of these huge mountains away from the from where i'm staying um, but then you have this nice, relatively easy riding and lots of dirt roads. And there's also this, um, uh, nearby there's a, a big reservoir with all of these irrigation canals. And the irrigation canals have service. Uh, and so you can, so it's almost traffic-free riding on the, on the service roads. And then linking together the dirt roads is, is a really nice way to, 
to enjoy the air. And it's a lot of history because these, these transhumanists for, for thousands of years. So I think it's wonderful to ride on things that are fun, but they also have this kind of sense of being there for, as part of the landscape. You know? uh, yeah, I, I love the riding here. It's really fun. That's super, super nice. And uh, I can feel actually like... Oh, actually, it reflects yourself, yeah, the trail that you have around, and uh, yeah, it sounds pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. So, how many times have you do you do it usually in your staying there? You, it's something that you're doing weekly, or yeah, I mean, uh, um, I try not to ride so much in the winters because I ride so much in the rest of the year. Of course, but I would certainly do it. I certainly do the this route once a month, maybe once every two weeks. Um, I often I've been actually training recently which is something that i've really never done in my life okay. but as i'm trying to be more focused this year in terms of being able to cover distances without it being so exhausting as it's previously been so i thought if i can do some training that might help so i've been doing bits of the route but as like a training loop so i'll actually ride it quite fast which is unusual for me i'm usually a bit more of a tourist okay um but But then I also, I enjoy, I, rode, I ride this route because it goes to one of the biggest towns nearby. It can, it can go to there. So what I do is I take my, uh, my bikepacking bags empty and I do half of the route, go to the shops in the nearest town and then ride the other half of the route back loaded up with, with a week's worth of groceries. So um, it kind of keeps me fit in terms of bikepacking and it means I'm not getting too used to riding an empty bike which is what I don't do for the rest of the year so you can get too, too used to riding a bike that only weighs 10 kilos and then you get back on a bike that weighs 25 kilos <laughs> yeah. and it's a real shock yeah mm. it's a good training as well yeah it's good training exactly so uh, keeps my skills in keeps my um uh keeps me from wanting to go for Strava segments you know or mm -hmm. whatever you know I'm <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah good way to train for the super super cool so andy uh, i would say that actually now we have the whole picture of what we are doing and actually i think that is still super super amazing and i can't wait actually to pick some of the segments of your track and start doing it uh as soon as I can. And I am super happy that you're also starting tracking from the other side. So there are going to be actually also other places that I would love to, to discover super soon, the tears actually, on all the Balkans, for example, or all the Eastern European parts. So that's, that's super great. And thanks a lot for being here today and talking, and actually riding with us together through your, the trails that you are actually tracking at the moment. Oh, well, it's been my pleasure. It really has. So, you know, the more people I can reach with this trail, then the, the, the better it is for the community and for, for everyone involved. So I'm very happy to be on your podcast. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. And it's super cool, actually, that you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that you are making this project in order to have something that is inclusive more than exclusive that everybody can jump on the trail and ride ride this trail with whatever bike they have uh, if it's a mountain bike a full suspended a gravel bike or whatever you want to call it it's just a place where you can enjoy and really discover nature and get a bit more to know 
the continent where we are are living, despite of any kind of equipment that you have, and that's very important. Well, what I've been trying to focus on for for, for my travels, you know, to make things as exclusive as inclusive as I can. Yes, absolutely. There is something that you still want to add, want to add, Andy, or you think we have said everything? No, I think that's it. I think we've we've covered plenty. So no. No, that's fine. That's perfect. Then, uh, I don't know, we will talk for sure soon. And uh, anyways, have a lot of fun in your next travels. And for now, have a lot of fun actually by uh, tidying up and working on the field where you are and the, and the house uh, the, and the farmhouse that where you have, where you are at the moment. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Okay, take care. <laughs> ciao, Andy. Ciao, ciao. A lot of talks had been done, shitty chats, I would say. A lot of inspiration was shared, and I'm super happy for this conversation that I had with Andy. I have this really in my mind, mainly two things, but I have to mention also the third one, because I have to say that for sure Sweden is in my bucket list. I need to go there. For sure, a couple, something like a weekend or a bit more travel this spring slash summer is going to be dedicated to the Jura. French and Swiss Jura and of course Ernesto I need to come over into the Montañas Vacias I don't know if I can do it in 2021 seems like uh, I'm gonna be packed in time but maybe 2022 can be there what about you do you have any idea on all the places all the locations that Andy mentioned is gonna be your next trip let me know everywhere where you want. Instagram, calamaro.cc or Broomwagon Club. These are the account. Hello at calamaro.cc. That's the email. Or just let me know in wherever way you want. And remember, if you want to suggest anything, really anything for this podcast, just let me know. I told you already which one are the contacts. Talking about contacts and talking about notes, in the show notes down there, you're going to find all the way that you can find around photos of Andy, all the tracks that he's putting together and everything that is going to come. I can't wait for the launch of his new Komoot page, collection, as well as his own page and everything you can find around. Anyways, everything that is available right now is down into the description below or like the cool people say on the, yes, the episode notes. That's the way, episode notes. I promised you that you would have one tip about the premium account of Komoot. Well, sit down and take note. If you go to the page komoot.com slash trip minus create slash collection slash search, you can find a dangerous amount of inspiration browsing around more than a hundred multi-day routes on Komoot. Go on the page that I mentioned. I can mention it again. Komoot.com slash trip minus create slash collection slash search and then select your region, the kind of sport that you want and start exploring. I found so many of them, really. The French Jura, for example, is one of those. Amazing old road close to San Gotardo. Uh, yes, mountain and call. Well, people, go there and get inspired. If you want to get to this feature, you need to have the premium account on Komoot. But I can tell you that between that and multi-day planning and weather planning and so many other things, really, it's worth it. Remember to say thank you, Stefano. Remember to say thank you to Komoot. 
thank you, Komoot. Uh, remember to say thank you, people that are listening to this broom wagon to my podcast with a lot of love and a lot of messages that I received in this week. And if you want to make me really, really happy, just remember that you can just subscribe, rate, comment on the podcast in all the hosts, the podcast hosts that you are receiving this episode. And if you want to just share it with one of some, on the other way around, some of your best friends or actually also worst enemies, whatever you want, just somebody who is interested to this content. I will talk to you next week because now I'm really bubbling too much.